welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Lan. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. So the title of my message today is Thriving in Troubling Times. Thriving in Troubling Times, the Principles and the Power of Generosity. Thriving in Troubling Times, the Principles and the Power of Generosity. The Principles and the Power of Generosity. The Principles and the Power of Generosity. Hallelujah. So, I want to talk to you about generosity. In 2 Corinthians, of, I can say that in the New Testament, um, when you talk about the subject of uh, generosity, I don't think there's any other book in the New Testament that deals with generosity to such a great extent. Even if you look throughout the Bible, um, Paul dedicated two chapters. You know, we divided it into two chapters, but you know, two chapters of 2 Corinthians to the prince, to the, to the to the message of generosity. But before we go into it, I want to give you the context of this chapter. Because if you understand the context, you will see the reason why it is very appropriate for what is happening in our world right now. And what is happening, um, you know, what is currently going on. And to, it will also give us a prophetic insight into what is coming. What is coming. Because, I, you know, when God delivers these messages to me uh, and says, share this thing. Sometimes I don't even know, like, I don't even know. Like, what is coming? But sometimes later, now I look back and say, wow, that's the reason why God was telling me uh, to share this. Please listen to this because this is a word from the Spirit of God. What is going to sustain you during this time is what, one of the major things that will sustain you during this time is what I'm about to share with you today. So, thriving, if you want to thrive in the coming days, in the coming weeks, you have to listen to this message and you have to really, really pay attention to it and begin to practice it. Because I believe it's a word from the Lord. So let's look at the context. The context is Acts chapter 11. Acts of the Apostle chapter 11. Uh, we're going to start reading from verse 27. Acts 11 verse 27. That's the context of 2 Corinthians chapter... Um, what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Look at it. He said, during the, this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and he predicted. So this was a prophetic prediction. It was a prophecy. It was foresight into the future. He predicted by the Spirit of God that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. A great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. Now you need to understand that the Roman world was the most, you know, developed world at that time. You know, the Romans were ruling, colonizing countries, taking over countries, um, you know, and they were ruling over Israel, you know, at that time. This was the time of the Caesars. You know, you've heard about Judah and all this, you know. So it was, this is the time of the Caesars. 
So they were, they were basically, I mean, it was a very developed, you know, um, economy, uh, developed society that was now transporting, transporting its culture to other parts of the world, appointing governors to other parts of the world. Then one of the prophets stood up and says, there's going to be a famine that is coming upon the entire Roman world. He said this was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. Verse 29. He says, so the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and the sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. All right. So, so Prophet Agabus stood up and says, a famine is coming. Some troubling times are coming. And then during those troubling times, the church began to mobilize. They began to mobilize their generosity to go and assist these believers. So this is the context of 2 Corinthians, what Paul was talking about to the, uh, to the Corinthian church at that time. Uh, in what we're about to study today, he was trying to, to mobilize them to get them to understand how to deal with this situation, to deal with this famine, uh, this trouble that was taking place in the Roman world and that was affecting the church in Jerusalem. So what we are learning today about the principles and powers of generosity, and power of generosity is very, very similar to what we're going through right now. I don't know if you have noticed there, there's a lot of trouble going on. Like I said, people have lost a lot of things. I mean, if that has not come to you, you need to really give thanks to God. But over 30 million people have filed for unemployment right now, just in the United States alone. I personally know cert certain people, not one, not two, that have lost loved ones as a result of this season that we got into. I'm sure you probably know somebody too who has lost loved ones. People have lost some things at this time. So this is an opportunity for generosity. Now, that's people we know or people we don't know. I mean, people that are within our vicinity. But let's expand this to the whole world now or, you know, to, I mean, to the entire continent or beyond. If you really, really pay attention, you will discover that these are really uncertain times. Like, people are not sure what is coming. Government is trying to show that, you know, that they are on top of everything. And thank God that we keep on praying for the government, um, you know, for God to assist them, both the federal and the state government and the, the government of different nations, trying to do their best. But everyone will admit that they are not truly sure of what is going to happen. Is, is this thing going to go away just like that? Or is it going to come back? Is the economy going to rebound? Our unemployment rate has risen to the highest it has been I mean, it has ever been, you know, probably since the Great Depression. I don't know the exact statistic, but I know it's, it's, it was, it's about 16% or more now, going to 20%. They might pr probably get to 30%. So this, these are truly troubling times. But as a believer, what should you do based on uh, what we're doing? What should be your reality? So those are, those are recurrent realities, but what should be your reality that will help you thrive as a believer? That is what we're talking about today generosity. I want to say something before I even start going into 2 Corinthians. If there's any key for success in life, 
if there is any key that can help you thrive at any time, this, this thing about uh, this generosity subject that we are going to be talking about today is a key that you must hold. You must hold very dear. Generosity is a supernatural thing. Generosity is a gift from God. It's one of the ways that God, uh, God, one of the things God has put into this world to help us to expand when we use it well and to help us to thrive no matter what is going on all around us. So I'm telling you, if you get into generosity, your future will be secure. When you get into generosity, you lay a foundation for the time to come. Paul was saying this in, um, in the book of, um, um, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it started from uh, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6, you know, starting from verse 12. Let's read it. He said, fight a good fight of faith, uh, the, for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Then he goes on. Go to verse 19. After that, verse 19, uh, Paul says, oh, no, uh, go a little bit up to maybe like 17 so that we get, you know, that's where I'm going. But, you know, he said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. But their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. I can assure you that last year, entering into this year, some of the people that have lost their jobs right now or lost some things, they probably, some of them were probably enjoying certain things and they never even thought that by the fifth month of 2020, they will be on the employment line. I was watching the news and I saw people lining up to pick up food. Like people, like long lines to pick up food. These are people that were employed some months ago. Just two or three months ago, they were employed. They didn't need to do that. But now, they have to do that. So, tell you, some things are unreliable. But the Bible is trying to teach us about something that is ever reliable. It says, God gives us richly all things we need for our enjoyment. Now, verse 18, look at what we should do. This is one of the things that helps us to prepare for what is coming. He said, tell them. To use their money to do good. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. They should be generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. Now look at what happens, verse 19. Verse 19 says, when you do that, when you live that kind of generous life, look at it. It says, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. The KJV says they will be storing up for the times to come. The times to come. And that future is not necessarily a long, you know, like so far away from it. You, 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 you store up for what is to come through the practice of generosity. In other words, while money and all these things, what you have right now is unstable, one of the things that is going to be stable, one of the stable things in your life it's going to be your practice of generosity. So, let's go. Let's go. I have a few things I'm going to go through, explain and do all that like I do. And then we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll get it. So, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8 and, and 9 now. Where, and see what, uh, what Paul teaches about thriving in troubling times and the principles and power of generosity. So, I'm going to give you some points about the principles that Paul taught uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, when he was addressing the Corinthians, trying, trying to get them to be generous to, you know, towards the gifts that they were coming to, to collect, to send to Jerusalem 
uh, to help the believers there who are going through troubled times. So, let's go. Number one, principles of generosity. Generosity is a manifestation of the grace of God. Generosity is a manifestation of the grace of God. Look at it. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. During very severe trial, in troubled, troubling times, Troubled times, the Macedonian church, they were, the Macedonian churches, you know, a lot of house churches and all that, they were, they were very generous. But he says something, he said, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. So the first thing I want to tell you is that generosity is grace. Now, that word grace is from the word charis, in the Greek word charis, which is an endowment. You know, a lot of people know about grace for different things. They know about the grace for like saved, not of works, lest any man should. We're saved by the grace of God. Uh, in other words, it's the workings of God that gets us saved. A lot of people know about the grace uh, to preach, or the grace to minister, or the grace uh, to sing, or the grace to do anything, and an empowerment and endowment from God. But Paul tells us in this place that. A life of generosity and the practice of generosity is also a grace. It's a divine endowment. It's an enablement from God. It's an enablement. Anything that is an enablement from God is something you can pray for and ask God to give you more of it. So one of the prayers you can pray, let's say you start, you're starting off not being a very generous person. You're always trying to just keep things to yourself. You're not generous with your money. You're not generous with your time. You're not generous, you know, with your, uh, with your joy. You're not generous with your encouragement. You're not generous in a, in a lot of ways. You, you are very self-focused. You don't need to condemn yourself. This is a grace. So you can ask God for grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4, 16, so that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So basically, you can ask for more, for grace, for more grace for generosity. Why don't you just bow down wherever you are right now and say, Lord, I see that generosity is a grace. That's the first thing there. It is a grace. It is something that you endow upon people. Father, I just pray for you to make me more generous. Lord, I pray that for you to grace me, my family, for greater generosity. I want you to grace us, Lord, that we will go beyond what we were doing before. We will become very generosity-focused. We will be, we will, at this point and at this time that we are right now, we need all around us. Lord, I want you to give us grace that we can see strategic needs. And Lord, grace, Lord, that we will be able to minister to these strategic needs. Grace, grace, generosity is a grace. Generosity is a grace. And you can increase in that grace. That grace can be multiplied unto you. Number two, principles of generosity. Generosity is even more valuable when demonstrated in the midst of constraints, when it is least expected. Now, listen, anybody can, you know, most people can be generous, right, when they have a lot. Like you have a lot waiting for you. You go, oh, yeah, I'll give you this one, I'll give you that and all that. But Paul was saying here that generosity becomes even more valuable when it is practiced when you have constraints. Now you will see, look at the way it says, it says it there. It said, in the midst of very severe trial, 
the overflowing joy of the Macedonian churches and their extreme poverty. They were in extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. So this was a church that, that had, you know, they had needs. And then, you know, they, they just went and they were still generous. I remember sometimes when we would travel abroad and we'll go to some places like for leading life training that we do in other places. We'll go to places like refugee camp or we'll go to some places that you'll see that people don't really have much. But sometimes at the end, you just see some people because they're so blessed, they will, they, will, they will go and make things, they'll make cloth, they'll do whatever and they'll start presenting to us and all that. That usually touches me. Than if I go somewhere, you know, and then, they, you know, in the ritual, they give me an honorarium. But when I see people who don't really have much, they are doing everything. They are just being generous out of the need. Jesus Christ was also touched by that. You remember when everybody was giving out of their abundance. But that widow woman gave a mite. And Jesus said, that woman has given more than every other person. Because they gave out of their abundance. But this woman gave out of, she gave the only thing that she had. She gave out of her need. Now, it means we can be generous. God wants us to have abundance so that we can be generous. But you also need to understand that sometimes generosity is even more valuable when you give out of, you know, constraint, when you give out of need. So that's one of the principles of generosity. So I want you to know whether you are facing constraint right now, whether you have limited budget, you have limited thing, you can still be generous at this time. Limited time, limited movement, constraint, all the different constraints that are taking place right now. You know, you can't go everywhere. You can still be generous. You can be generous with your gift. You can, serve, you can still serve in church. You can come in and be one of the 10 people that is allowed to meet. You know, you can serve with your gift. I mean, you can call. You can man, uh, you know, the station to call people. You can, you know, you can help deliver food or, or you can, you know, you can donate. So you can do something. You can still do something even in the midst of constraint now because the generosity, the things that you show right now, they are even more valuable than the one you will show when you have, when there are no constraints. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? So I'm saying that this time, think of a way that you can have open windows. Think of a way of how you can serve, of how you can be generous, even though there are restrictions. Number three, generosity sometimes requires sacrifices. Generosity sometimes requires sacrifices. A sacrifice is something that is not convenient. It's not convenient to the person who is showing it. Generosity sometimes is not convenient. It's not every time that you are generous, that you do something, you know, generously, that it is convenient for you to do it. Sometimes it's going to take your time. It's going to take sacrifice of your time. It's going to take the sacrifice of your money. It's going to take the sacrifice of certain things. You know, it requires sacrifice. Let's look, let's look at how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at it in verse 3. He says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Even beyond their ability. In other words, they went beyond their personal convenience, restrictions. They went beyond it, their capacity. They were sacrificial. They said, wow, the church in Jerusalem is suffering. There is, you know, there is um, famine and all these things going on. No, 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 no. Even though we are suffering, even though we have all these restrictions, we are going to do something. And they did beyond their natural capacity to do that. They went beyond their ability. I want to tell you, I want to encourage you. Please, I want you to go beyond your natural capacity at this time 
to help. I want you to go beyond your natural capacity to assist those who are going through trouble. You know, to, to help, to help, you know, those within the church, you know, and beyond who are going through trouble, to help other people thrive. To help other people thrive at this time. You know, that's one of the, re- that's one of the things that God wants us to do in this season. And it's one of the things that will prepare us for the upcoming season, according to what we have, we have, we have read earlier. So it involves sacrifices. It involves sacrifices. You don't just sit down and, you know, you are just, uh, you are just generous at your convenience. You know, sometimes it's going to draw something from you. It's going to draw something from you. People may step into your world. People may use your time. You know, just generosity requires certain sacrifices. Now, number four, generosity should be self-initiated. Uh, generosity, that should be bigger. Generosity should be self-initiated. In other words, generosity should not, um, you know, should not be something that some people have to, you know, cajole you up to do. You know, there's this, you know, in those days when we used to have, I don't know whether they have those kind of toys anymore. Everything is electric now. But those days we used to wind toys, you know. <laughs> so we wind it. After, after we have wound it, we release it today to move. Do whatever it's supposed to do. Then after the, the coil has been unwound, it will stop. They have to go and wind it again. You know? Now, I'm not sure whether they are still winding toys right now, but that's a great illustration. Some people, they have to be wound to be generous. You wound them. Somebody has to, you know, preach a powerful message or something, something supernatural. An angel has to appear or something. They wind them. Oh, oh. And then when you are still winding them, they are resisting. Then for some time, they'll be generous. Then suddenly they'll go back to their normal, you know, their normal flow again. They need to be wound again. No. Paul says, look at, look at the way Paul says it over how the Macedonian churches acted. Uh, he says, entirely, look at it, entirely on their own. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. You see, you need, okay, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. So, for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, they were pleading, please, Paul, let's help you. You're going to Jerusalem, let's help you. You're going to, you know, to deliver this thing. You know, let's help you. Let's help you. We want to help God's people. We want to do that. They were pleading. They were pleading. It was self-initiated. They didn't need to be wound up. It was self-initiated. So generosity, the grace of generosity works. God just drops it in your heart. Or God drops a burden for someone of a cause of something in your, in, in your heart. And then you begin to walk towards it. Not that people are winding you up. Most of the time when people have wound you up and all that, you are not giving you are not giving, you know, out of self-initiation. You are giving out of pressure. And as we're going to see later, we're not supposed to be generous based on, you know, based on pressure. We're supposed, our generosity is supposed to be self-initiated. So I just want to encourage everybody, listen to me right now. Allow the Holy Spirit to work upon you. Initiate something. Start an initiative to help people at this time. Initiate something. Initiate something. Initiate something that takes you out of your own world and takes you into other people's world. We have people that are standing prayers. We have people that are praying for you know, couples, you know, that are leading people to prayer. We have people that are doing you know, Instagram lives. And all that. You don't have to do all those things, but there is also a niche for you. We have people that are coming to sing, you know, city praise, coming to sing, you know, doing technical stuff. We have people you know, that are delivering food. We have people that are giving money to assist other people 
to be, to be fed, to all kinds of things. There are all kinds of opportunities and there's a particular initiative for you too that you can get involved at this time that takes you out of your own world and takes you into the place of thriving, which is this place of generosity. Number five, generosity to serve God's people is a privilege. It's a privilege. You know, some people think that being generous is a duty. Yeah, it's a duty in a way, but they take it like it is, a, it is an obligation. You know, that, oh yeah, oh, you know, I, I, have, to, I, you know, I have to give now. Uh, you know, I have to tithe now. The moment you have that attitude towards tithing and all that, it's better for you not to tithe. You know, just keep it to yourself or towards anything. You understand? You have to see your giving as a privilege. You have to see your support and blessing of people as a privilege. You have to see your service as a privilege. The moment you start complaining about whatever you are giving out, whether it's your service, whether it's your opportunity to bless people, you start complaining, I'm always doing this, I'm doing that, you have left the spirit of generosity. You are now operating in a different spirit. Serving God's people is a privilege. See, I'm preaching here right now. I thank God for the privilege to be able to speak the word to you. I thank God for the privilege of the different things I have to do. It's like even now, things are even busier right now than even when we're moving all around. But I thank God because it's a privilege. Because I could be, on, I could be the one on the, on, the, on the hospital on the hospital bed. Or I could be the one on the unemployment line. I could be that. But God, by his grace, by his grace, has given me the opportunity to continue to minister to people. You know, and, and, and it's a privilege. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. I could be the one on drugs. I could be the one in prison. I could be the one, you know, but God, everything that I have, everything that we have is a privilege. It's a privilege. Every income, everything, your job and all that is a privilege because you could be on the other side. It's not because of you. It's because of the grace of God. So it's a privilege to serve God's people. When you serve, when you do whatever you do, do it with joy. Do it with excitement. Doing it because you understand that it is a privilege to be, ge- to be, to be generous. Not something that is forced on you. Number six. Generosity starts with a commitment to God and then to his people. You see, one of the major principles of generosity is that it starts... First of all, with you seeing it, seeing generosity as something that is your ministry to God, your commitment to God. Even when you are doing it to people, it is your commitment to God, first of all. It is the outflowing of your commitment to God that blesses people. Look at the way Paul says it. He said, they, ex- they exceeded our expectations. Speaking about the Macedonian churches, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all, to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. So they started by first giving themselves to God. You see, as a leader, uh, you know, or working with people, I always look for people that I see that they have given themselves to God first. Because if they give themselves to you first, or they give themselves to you into the service or whatever you are doing, they are going to want to receive a reward from you. And they are going to feel offended if you don't do that. So the people... That I, lo- that I work with, that I love to work with, are people that I see, that these people know what they are doing. That this is about God, this is about their purpose, this is about, at the moment I see, you know, somebody that is trying to do something, and he thinks that it's me, and he's and doing all that, I know that this person has left the spirit of generosity. So you need to know 
that whatever you are doing is to God, not to humans. What you are doing for humans is an overflow of what you are doing to God. What I'm doing for you is not for you. What I'm doing is to God. It's an overflow of my commitment to God that now begins to bless people. And that's why I don't expect anything from any, anybody. I expect All my expectation is from the Lord because he's the one. But if somebody blesses me or does that, I appreciate it. But I'm not looking to anybody you know, with expectation. My focus is on God. So you give yourself first to the Lord. You commit yourself to God. You know, you say, Lord, I, I love you. I love you. I love your people. I love your body. And I'm committing myself. That in my ministry to you, I'm going to minister to your body. I'm going to help your people. I'm going to help your creation. I'm going to help the church. I'm going to be generous to people of the household of faith. And then that's when you have the right heart because you are doing it not to be rewarded by men, not to be appreciated by men, not to be acknowledged by men, but because you know you have one secret admirer. You have one secret, one person who is watching you in secret and the Bible says that he shall reward you openly. Number seven, generosity is a practice that we must seek excellence in. Generosity is a practice that we must seek excellence in. So we are told that we need to be excellent on our work. We need to be excellent with our gift. We need to be excellent, you know, in our family lives. We need to be excellent in our career. We need to be excellent in whatever we do. You know, to excel means to always try to, to always try to supersede, to be better, to better whatever you are doing, to better yourself. Paul says in this place, look at, what, look at the way he says it. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, you know, we're supposed to grow in faith. We're supposed to grow in speech, how we talk, you know, how we talk, our rhetorics and all that. You know, I'm taking a class right now in rhetorics and I'm just saying that, wow, you know, that I could talk better, you know, I could speak better. So we're supposed to, you know, to speak better, you know, in speech. In knowledge, we're supposed to increase in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. But look at what it says. It says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See to it that you also excel in this grace of, of giving. In other words, this is an area where we can be competitive. Not competitive because we're trying to show off but we can spur one another, we can spur one another off, I mean, or, or up towards generosity. When you see somebody being generous, you say, you know what, I've, I'm going to copy that. I'm going to do that. Try to beat one another in generosity. Don't let people beat you in generosity. Try to do that in the love of God. Make a game out of it. Love it and do it. Try to excel in generosity. Don't always be last in generosity. You know, when it's, you know, I know, you know, in the United States and all that, people get their giving report and all that. And you look at it and you say, wow, I gave less than I gave last year. You should not be happy about that. Oh, but you know what? I think I gave more than I gave last year. Then I'm going to step it up again to make it better. You know what? Try, strive to excel. Strive to be better in this grace. Because the, 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 the sky is not the limit. God is going to keep on increasing you as you will see. Keep on increasing you higher and higher and higher and higher as you continue to strive for excellence and generosity. God will continue to give you more so that you can be more generous. Number eight, generosity is Christ-likeness. Generosity is Christ-likeness. So Paul was saying, 
One of the reasons why we have to be generous is because we have been called to be like Christ. And he's the most generous person. Look at the way Paul says it. How, how generous Jesus was. He said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, Jesus was very rich. Yet for your sake, he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. So he said, look at the example of Jesus. Jesus had a lot. Very, very, very rich. And he became very, very poor so that we can become very, very rich. Look at all the things we enjoy. Grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Look at the grace of salvation. All the grace we enjoy in this life. We, we are enjoying this grace because one person, Jesus Christ, decided to lay down his own riches, his own wealth, his own convenience, and to come down to this world so that he can become one of us. So Paul was saying, we also should follow the same example. If you have been given means, if you have something, think of other people that you also, you can come down for, that you can be generous towards so that they can also be lifted up. So they can be lifted up. That is Christ-likeness. Generosity is Christ-likeness. When we are generous, we're like Christ. When we're like Christ. Always look for a way to lift people up. Don't focus on lifting yourself up. God is the one that will lift you up. Promotion does not come from the east or from the west, but from God. He's the one that puts down one and lifts up another. Don't focus on lifting yourself up. Don't focus on what you, know, what you can do. Focus on how you can lift other people up. Focus on how you can make life more convenient for other people. And you will see that your life will become more and more convenient because a pipe that is delivering water will never complain of thirst. Number nine, generosity is to be a continual walk not a talk. You know, there are some people, they talk a good game when it comes to generosity. Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Oh, this and this and that. I promise. They even pledge. You know, I'll do it from this time around. I'm going to be doing that. But when it's time, when the robber meets the road, you can't find them. Look at what Paul says. Look at it. I love this. He said, here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So they had a desire. They gave some. They had a desire. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion according to your means. In other words, don't start it and stop. Don't be a generous, you know, like, you know, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Never completing what you promised. Never, you know, ne I mean, ne never... Never stay through. Paul is saying, walk the walk. Make it your life to always live a generous life. Make it your life, especially in these troubled times. Make it a practice to be generous. Keep your promises. Keep your pledges. Get involved. Don't do, you know, start and stop. Just stay there. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. That is how you begin to enjoy the benefits and the rewards of generosity. Generosity is required within your not what you do not have. Generosity is only required within your means, not what you do not have. So Paul is saying that when it comes to practicing generosity, it is not about you getting burdened. You know, it's, it's what do you have. It's from what you have, not from what you do not have. Look at the way he says this. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, 
not according to one, what one does not have. Nobody is asking anybody to go and do something or get something that they don't have. You look at what you have in your house. You ask yourself, what gift do I have? What time do I have? What materials do I have? What money do I have? What is it that I have right now that can be a blessing to somebody? It's within your means. And I tell you, there's something in your house. There's something in your physical house, your body, your talent and all that. There's something in your house that you live in. There's something in your, in, you know, in, in your means that you can use to bless somebody at this time. It's not according to what you do not have. It's according to what you have. Number 11. And I have four more after this and we'll, we'll be done with it. The goal of generosity is for equality. This is very important. The goal of generosity is for equality. What, 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 what does the Bible mean by equality in this place? What he's saying is that God has this desire that his people, that resources are balanced among his people. God doesn't like it where... Now, despite the fact that God is a God who believes in individual principle, God respects you know, what you know, people making the best, and God is not going to limit anybody... Um, you know, it's not going to lean anybody and their finances and all that. It's not really now against you using your resources to build up wealth. But the other balance of it, you know, that's the balance of capitalism. The other balance of it is that when somebody builds up wealth, one of the purposes of wealth is so that you can create a level of equality among those who are around you. It's one of the major purposes of wealth. That whenever God gives you something, Look for people around you that you can also lift up to a level. Look at the way Paul says it. He says, our desires is not that others be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. That's very powerful. God is saying that sometimes you think that you are always going to be the one that's at that point. There will come a time where it might not be money, it might not be something, but you are going to need support from some other people too. There's going to be a time where you are going to be the one who needs support. So, he's saying that when you have the ability to support, you support. So that when the time comes, when you may need the ability to support, there will be other people there to also bring you up at that point. So there's a cycle. Look at it. He said the goal is equality as it is written. The one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. In other words, when God gives you abundance, he wants you to be able to share. He wants to be rich towards God. He wants to be rich towards people. So that's the goal of, the goal of generosity. Number 11. Oh, sorry, number, number 12. Number 12. For generosity to be effective, in certain cases, it requires administration by trusted stewards. This administration should be accompanied by honesty and accountability. Let me, this is very important. You know, some people say, okay, pastor, I have heard the word and, you know, I'm going to be generous. And you should start practicing generosity on your own, right? Look for ways to be generous. But one of the things that we have seen is that when, for generosity to be maximized, you need to be able to entrust that thing into the hands of certain stewards that can multiply it and do things that you are not able to do. That is a New Testament thing. It's a New Testament thing for you to say, okay, maybe your church or an organization and say, you know what, I want to send this money to you so that you can be able to minister to people at this time. It's a very, very, uh, it's a very New Testament uh, uh, Testamental principle. Look at the way Paul says, uh, Paul, what Paul talks about here. 
So all the, they were supposed to gather the money together and everything, and their gift and everything. Look at what he was supposed to do with it. Verse uh, 17. Uh, it says, uh, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Who put it in the heart of Titus? I'm, I'm using the NIV. Who put into the heart of Titus the same concern that I have for you? For Titus not only welcome our appeal, but is coming to you with much enthusiasm on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service in the gospel. What is more, he, has chosen, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism in the way we administer this liberal gift. For we are taking plans to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. In addition, we're sending with them our brothers who has often proved to be many ways that he's zealous. And now, even more because of his great confidence in you. And for Titus, is my partner and co-worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representative of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. So Paul was saying, Titus is coming and some people are coming along with us. This offering will be given to us and we're going to administer it. We're going to take it and administer it. I just want you to know that you need to, you see, generosity involves trust. Generosity involves trust. It involves you being able to release what you have and just release it and say, you know, I just trust. You know, I trust, you know, that this thing is going to be used for God's glory. Then, on the other side, for those who God uses to administer, like pastors, if you are listening to me, you are a pastor or you are a leader of an organization and people, you know, give you funds and all that. Paul tells us that honesty and accountability is also necessary. So the people will trust honesty. Honesty, honesty is doing what, what the funds was designated for. Using it for what it was designated for, not for something else. And accountability or transparency is letting people know this is what the fund is accomplishing. This is what it is accomplishing. So these things are necessary. So these things are necessary, both on the side of you know, all of us being generous, also on the side of you know, any one of us who also administers the generosity of others. But I need you to know that corporate action is very essential at this time. Individual actions are very good, but also corporate action is very essential because of the means and the, and the reach of corporate action. So let's, let's come together and let's help at this time also. Let's come together and help with our gift. Let's do something, sing together, do whatever together. Let's say when we come together, there's a corporate anointing that comes as a result of that. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 16 from verse 1 to 2. Paul speaking on the same thing. He says, now, regarding your question about the money being collected, 1 Corinthians 16, from verse 1 to 2. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave the Galatian churches. I'm in NLT now. You should follow the same procedure that I gave the Galatian churches. What, what was the procedure? Verse 2. He said, on the first day, oh, you know what? I, I jumped. You know, let, me, let, me, let me just say number 13 before I do that. Yeah. Number 13, and then I will explain that. Uh, number 13, generosity involves preparation and premeditation. 
Generosity involves preparation and what? Premeditation. Premeditation. So for you to practice generosity, the principle of generosity the right way, there's some thinking that is required. Don't just jump, you know, and just, you know, be jump, you know, oh, this and, you know, take some time to think. What you want to give, why you want to give it, and how you want to give it. Look at it. Um, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1 to 5, and then I'll read the one that we're reading before. He said, there's no need for me to write to you about the service to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness to help. And I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. Telling them that since last year, in, in Achaia, you in Achaia were ready to give. And your enthusiasm was stirred, has stirred most of them to action. It has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that are boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. But that you may be ready. See that word ready. That you may be ready as I thought, as I said you will be. That you may be ready. Keep, keep on verse 4. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, unprepared, we not, we, not to say anything about you, will be ashamed of having been so confident. Verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangement for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready. See that ready again as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So Paul was talking about the principle of readiness here and preparation. That prepare to give. Don't just wait when it's offering time or when something is, you know, moving or whatever. Prepare. Prepare. Pray over your, your gift. Decide what you want to do with it. Decide how you want to do it. And then pray. preparation is important. Sometimes you have to prepare months before or every month. Look at the, the way it says it in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 2. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 2. Say, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. You know, that was save up to give. Prepare up to give. Prepare up to be generous. Basically, the way, you know, we practice it is that we separate a portion of our income. You know, a separate portion of our income. We know that in the Old Testament, they separated 10%, which is called the tithe. We know that in the New Testament, there's no express commandment that we should tithe. But we know that there's a principle in the New Testament that, because, you know, Jesus was talking about, he said in the Old Testament, when he was talking about adultery, he said in the Old Testament, adultery is when you go and commit it, you know, with a woman physically. But he says in the New Testament, adultery is when you do it in your heart. He said in the Old Testament, killing is when you go and, you know, and go and kill somebody physically. But in the New Testament, killing is when you get angry. So Jesus was saying that, you know, there's a, there's a higher standard now in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament too, tithing is when you give a tenth. But in the New Testament, there's a higher standard now. There's a higher standard. So that's why we, ten is the basic, and then we have some more that is beyond the ten that we use, you know, to minister to people as we divide it. Because God wants us to do. People, some people argue, should I tithe or should I not tithe or should I not do that? You need to understand the principle. We have a better, a better covenant established on better promises. We have something more than what Abraham had. We have something more than what all those people in Israel had when they were living under the law and they were supposed to give a thing. Now that we are in, now we are blessed. We have all these blessings. We are supposed to supersede them. That's why you see all over in the New Testament, you see people who gave all. In Acts of the Apostles, they gave all. They said they gave to everybody that had need. People went beyond the tent. In the New Testament, we're not expressly commanded, go and tithe, but we are expressly commanded to supersede the Old Testament in our generosity and to excel in it. Amen. Number 14, and I have one more and I'll be done. 
Number 14, generosity is like a seed that grows. This is so powerful. Generosity is like a seed that grows. So everything that you are giving is not really living your life. There's a reciprocity principle. Whatever you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Look at it. Remember this. Whosoever sows sparingly will reap also sparingly. And whosoever sows generously will also reap generously. In other words, if you give tiny, 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 tiny all the time, you will be reaping tiny, 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 tiny. But when you become very generous and open-hearted, and you begin to give, you, may, you begin to give profusely. You begin to give as a lifestyle. You begin to even increase the amount that you give in generosity. It says you begin to see open doors and things that happen to you just in the same respect. If you give your gift, your time, and all that, you start seeing people giving their gift and their time. There's a reciprocity. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men will give to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet out, the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you use a little measure, that's why you only, some people just only see little opportunities happening to them. Because they measure so little when they are giving to other people. They, they, they measure their compliment to other people. They measure their lifting up of other people. They measure their giving to other people. Very tiny measure. But you need to increase your measure and you begin to see the measure of opportunities and favor that begin to happen to you. Because you have increased your measure. And the last one, generosity. Oh no, so I have two more, sorry. Generosity should be a free will. I'll do this one quickly. Generosity should be free will, joyful, and a willing act. Should be a free will, joyful, and a willing act. Not, mandated, not a mandated act done as a joyless obligation. So while we're talking about generosity, this is not something that you have to be forcing yourself to do and you're sad when you're doing it. God wants you to enjoy generosity. That when you are giving, not only are you giving material stuff, but you are giving out joy. You are giving out gratitude. You are giving out excitement. Look at this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So God wants us to be cheerful while we're giving. Become cheerful in generosity. And the final point. Number 16, generosity produces rich rewards for you, others, and to God. I want to tell you, as I end today, that gener your generosity, living a generous life, practicing this principle, is going to be one of the most rewarding things, if not the most rewarding thing that you ever do in life. Because you will start seeing your generosity coming back to you. You cast your bread upon the waters, and it will start coming back to you after many days. You know, there are certain things I see now, and I'm like, wow, and I remember... You know, like there, there was an organization that sent, you know, $10,000 to us, um, you know, recently. And I was just telling one of the, you know, the people in the, um, you know, in the team. Then I said, I remember when the church started. I said, Pastor Omar can testify to this, that one of the organizations that we used to send $50 to them was that organization. Right from the very beginning of the church, we're sending $50 to them every month. We also have another organization which are strong partners right now with the LDC. That's always sending food and all that. It was one of the organizations that we used to send $50 to in those days. We're just doing it all over. We didn't know them and all that. But now, those organizations, they are, you know, somehow, somehow, the rewards are coming after many days. I want you to know that they are great rewards. They are great rewards to you. They are great rewards to others, too. Because when you give, other people are blessed, Right? 
And that's a great reward. There's no greater joy than for you to see people thriving because of your generosity. I'm telling you. To see people thriving because you were generous. To see people lifted up because you were generous. To see people living their lives and joyful because you were generous. And most importantly, your generosity ministers to God. You know what happens? I love this thing. This is one of the most powerful things about generosity. You see, when you, when you are generous, God says grace will come to you. You'll be blessed. Your world will open. But that's the lowest part of it. The second part is that other people are also blessed. They are being raised up. But the most important part is that when you make somebody say thank you to God, it's one of the greatest blessings. In other words, because you give to that person, that person begins to connect to God more. And say, ah, God, thank you. They become connected to God. That's the richest blessing of generosity. So let's see how Paul says it as we end. He said, and God will bless you abundantly so that in all things, not just in money, not just in all things, in your children, in your family, in your, all, you know, in your protection, in every area, all things, in your career, at all times, whether it is trouble times, whether it is uh, you know, easy times, at all times, when the world is going through a downturn, when the, going, the world is going through an upturn, it doesn't matter. The times don't matter anymore. In all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will have all that you need. You will abound in every good work. You have more to give. Then look at it as it is written. They are freely scattered. They are gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. In other words, it's going to go beyond you. It's going to be generational. It's going to be a legacy. Generosity can become a legacy. You know, I say one of the reasons. I have ten reasons why I want to have a lot of money and make a lot of money and do all that. My tenth reason, you know, I, I, you know, I call it, you know, I call it conclusion. I use a lot of seeds, conclusion, that at the end of my life, I want to give a major gift that, you know, to to certain causes that will continue to thrive long, 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 long after I'm gone. After I'm gone. One, of the, one of the purpose of generosity is for legacy. It's for legacy. Many things that we're enjoying right now, in a sense, because somebody, was, somebody left a legacy. You too can leave a legacy. Now, he will supply seed to the sower and bread for food. We also supply and increase your store of seed, and it will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So God will continue to enlarge you. But look at it. This is where I go. We're going to people and other people and God now. Verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11, he says, verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. So God will continue to increase you to be more generous. God will continue to, you know, to, to prune you so that you can be more fruitful. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Look at it. Your generosity, in other words, will start, you know, the people who receive your generosity will start giving thanks to God. This service that you perform it's not only supplying the needs of the lost people, that's the second blessing, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Many expressions of thanks to God. Verse, verse 13. Verse 13. Because of the savage which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accomplishes your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And then the next verse, and their prayers for you, and in their prayers for you, so people will be praying for you, intercession will be coming from for you, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. So you see the blessing. It's a blessing to you, blessing to others, there's thanksgiving going to God, and the cycle just continues. I want to encourage you, everyone, as I hand right now, to get into this generous spirit. 
this is an opportunity. Troubling times are opportunities for you to start, to start. You know, Paul said, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. I love it. That this is a gift. Generosity is an indescribable gift. It's a gift from God. I want you to shift yourself and say, God, I have heard your word today. I know one of the, one of the ways to navigate these realities of this our virtual world of what is going on right now is to begin to practice generosity. To start living a life of generosity and to just immerse myself in it. Lord, I thank you for the grace. Lift up your hands, everybody. Bow down your heads where you are and begin to ask God for grace right now. Ask God for the grace. Generosity is a grace. Ask God for grace to be more generous. Ask God for grace to be more generous. Lord, give me grace. Both grace for resources, grace uh, for willingness, and grace for strategic giving. Father, in the name of Jesus, multiply grace. Lord, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice right now. I pray right now that there's a release of the spirit of generosity all over the place right now. That people will begin to uh, receive from you the areas that you have called them. And that, 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 the things that you have given them for them to use right now to begin this ministry of generosity to other people. Lord, let as a, from this shutdown, Lord, let a generous army arise, transforming lives, transforming cities, transforming nations. Let a generous army arise, Lord, that are constantly causing people, widows have to sing for joy, that are causing people to give praise to you, to thank you. And thank you, Lord, for abundance and abundance. Thank you, Lord, for everyone on the sound of my voice will thrive in the midst of, of troubled times through generosity. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen. I want you to know if you are watching me and you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, maybe you just stumbled upon this broadcast, I want you to know that the most generous thing that, I, the generous thing that has ever been done is when the Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All the characteristics of generosity that I've talked about, they are in that gift. It was sacrificial. It was, it was, it was not thinking about himself. It was thinking about us. He gave it all. He gave it all to us. He said, you know, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So if you are listening to me right now, Jesus has been given for you. You just need to receive him. He's a gift for you. Jesus is a manifestation of God's generosity, the Father's generosity to us. So receive him and his grace, and he will give you salvation. He'll give you everything that you, you will ever need in life and in eternity. He will make you a child of God. And to receive that gift, it's not by works. It's for you to just acknowledge by faith that Jesus Christ, I believe you came, I believe you died, and I believe you rose again. I believe that you are mine, and I accept you into my life right now. And the Father will give you his son, and he will give you the Holy Spirit also. The Holy Spirit will come into you and begin to help you to live this life of grace. I just pray for anybody under the sound of my voice that you will do that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to The Globe Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.